You know, if I, um, I'm watching you and, and participating with you in this little exercise that the worship team uh, did uh, by having you fill out a piece of paper and uh, bring it up. And many of you did that. Some of you did it probably in your heart. You didn't do it physically. And others, maybe you're just taking that moment to think, well, maybe I do need to think about that. I would suggest to you, and you would not conclude this, I don't think, that there's a great deal of wisdom wrapped up in the actions that you took in that space. If I were to ask you in your own heart to raise your hand if you're wise, are you a wise person? Most of you would have, uh, your, your humility would overtake you in that moment and you wouldn't raise your hand. But I would suggest to you that you show a great deal of wisdom day in and day out uh, and you don't know it. You don't give yourself credit. And in some ways, you should. You should understand that you have put yourself in a position and in a posture with God that is saving your life. And there's a great deal of wisdom in that. And, and hopefully I can make that a little more specific as we move on here. We're in the middle of a uh, series called Proverbs, only about four or five weeks. And there are 31 chapters in Proverbs and multiply that by probably 20 or 25 and you get the number of verses that are in there. And we have five weeks and we're going to cover a few of them. Really, this uh, series is about wisdom, though, and particular proverbial wisdom, which what, what I'm saying is that uh, although I see a lot of it in this room, I'm not picking up a lot of it outside this room. In our culture, in our world, there is a dearth of knowledge uh, applied uh, in a way that is good and beautiful. When I, when I listen to the shrill and sensational sights and sounds uh, in the prevailing dialogue and reporting and entertainment uh, of our culture, I'm, I'm not at all surprised by the content. Extremism, uh, shock tactics, False narratives have always succeeded in luring people in and generating revenue. That's not new. I'm not so surprised by that. I am surprised, don't know if I should be, I am surprised, sometimes shocked, at the rampant lack of discernment or even attempt to discern whether the foundation of that Knowledge, that information, those narratives, that those foundations are even, that there is even a foundation from which what we hear comes. There's passion, there's commitment, there is uh, ideation, there is innumerable podcasts and social media gurus, but often no identifiable durable epistemology. Epistemology is a fancy word that means the investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. 
I'm not surprised by the opinions. I'm not surprised by the content. I'm not surprised by what kinds of things are put out there for belief. What I'm surprised by is the lack of rigor in digging into it and finding out if there is any basis for it. It makes total sense that people are flipping and flopping in what they believe and what they pursue. It is no surprise that people are scrambling for meaning, that people lose their way, that they get fooled and tricked out of their money, that they suffer from mental disorders, that they are deceived into making huge mistakes and even losing their lives. Large swaths of people are dancing and singing on a crumbling or even imaginary platform of what is true. But none of that is unique to our time and space. It is a falsehood to think that this culture is any different than any other culture. It's pretty normal for lots and lots of people to be believing what they have been told without any real effort to dig down and discover whether there's a basis for it. I wonder a lot, (laughs) period, but this in particular, I wonder why the arguably world's greatest compendium of wisdom, the Bible, has been so widely abandoned. In and of itself, it is maybe inarguably the greatest confluence of wisdom. The compilation of writings that Jesus patterned his life after, the Old Testament for the most part, Jesus, this person who at the very least was a man of proven character, proven motive, and trustworthiness. The the oftentimes and arguably greatest man to ever live turned to the Old Testament scriptures for wisdom. And then the New Testament writings are all about that same person. I wonder, why has it been abandoned? The Bible isn't rocket science. Sometimes we make it into that. It's not. It is not that hard to comprehend. If you have a a modicum of open-mindedness and humility, if you do, you can find Wisdom for life. The saddest thing in history is that we have to admit that it is the church itself and Christians by and large that have tarnished the world's view of the Bible. Oftentimes, sadly, terribly misguided churches and Christians have been the reason that people have abandoned wisdom. You have to own that on some level. 
Apart from that, it is very difficult to argue that the Bible is anything other than a beautiful I keep saying the same word, comprehensive place to find wisdom from the ages and particularly from God. Wisdom is infused throughout the Bible. And if it was applied in even a lackluster way, it would lead to better, a better world. The wisdom is maybe more accurately what we are studying what we're thinking about in this series as we click through some of these Proverbs. I may not even get to the proverb that I had planned to get to today because I, I, I find this concept of wisdom, which Eric launched into beautifully last week. I, I want to recap a little bit of what he said. Um, it's very important and add a few uh, elements to it. And then if I get to Proverbs 14, 4, great. If not, then I, I've got a message already in the can for next week, which is exciting. <clears throat> Listen to this. This is Proverbs 8. Eric read this last week. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. In fact, when there were no oceans, I was born. Where there were no springs abounding with water, I was there. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, right? Who is talking here? Wisdom, wisdom is talking here. This is wisdom. And wisdom goes on to say in Proverbs 8, 30 and 31. And, and then uh, after he marked out the foundations of the earth, I was constantly at his side. Whose side? God's side. As he's creating the world, wisdom is right there. He creates wisdom. It precedes creation. And then wisdom is there with God as a blueprint for the world. And wisdom says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Wisdom is, in a sense, thrilled about the fact that creation is aligning with her. Right? Wisdom is created, comes from God, comes from the character of God. It's the blueprint for creation. And so as creation is being made, and wisdom says, including mankind, it is enjoying this process of creation. It is commensurate with it. It is, it is synergistic with it. Wisdom enjoys this visual, physical representation of herself in creation. Wisdom is practical, it's moral, it's theological. It, it was part of the creation itself, part of the creation of mankind. And now, in retrospect, that same wisdom that's been passed down generation to generation is the very wisdom that we use in our lives, receive in our lives, to stay in alignment with the creation and the God who created it. Wisdom was the blueprint and continues to be the blueprint for life. Through it, in it, with it, we flourish along with the creation that God launched so long ago. So here's the, one of the big questions. Where does your wisdom come from? 
I think I know the answer to that for most of you. And for some of you, maybe this is a moment to uh, maybe just remember and codify and affirm where your wisdom comes from. And you, and you got to be careful because wisdom is, or so-called wisdom is coming at you from all sorts of different angles. And it's usually coming from somebody. Wisdom is usually coming from somebody. The earliest owners, if you will, of wisdom were who? Back in the early ancient times. Priests. Any of y'all read Ken Follett? Uh, Pillars of the Earth, World Without End. Like he, he's, a, he's a historian and a novelist. This is a wonderful reads about the 14th century and by and large priests and how they handled truth and knowledge and how the world turned to them without reservation at times when they probably should have had some reservation. Some of the priests went off the rails, went off the, off the reservation. Nonetheless, priests, clergy were trusted as the conveyors of wisdom. Who came next? We have, we, many of us have lived this transition. Who became the conveyors of what is true? Scientists took over what it is the world needed to understand. If you wanted wisdom, it was technical. It was scientific. It's a beautiful season of discovery of how the world works and the mind as well. Doctors, scientists, technicians became the purveyors of what was true knowledge. That has faded and transferred dramatically even within the last 10 years, who owns the place of purveyor of wisdom in the culture now? It's not the scientists. Media. Media? That's a subset. It's the artisans. It's, it's, every, it's, it's, it's entertainers, which media have largely become. It is those that are tickling your fancy, catching your attention, Whoever can catch your attention, which are the artisans, what they say then, they've caught your attention in some way that brings you to life and then they tell you what's true. Where are you getting your wisdom? Be careful. Who is it coming from? And on what basis is the knowledge that's coming through those people validated? It's a good question for around the table, on the golf course, at the park. Where does your wisdom come from? It's a question that is not being asked. Like I said, most of you in the room have chosen the wisdom of God, recorded in scripture, understood and interpreted by whom? Jesus. Jesus does many things. At the center of the things that he does, Jesus interprets scripture for us. We understand the Old Testament like we never did before because Jesus has showed us what it means. We have the word of God. 
We have the written word of God, and it is Jesus that helps us understand it. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Corinth, this new church, trying to figure out which way is up, what's right, what's good, what's beautiful. He said, to those whom God has called, no matter who you are, he says, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He goes on, it is because of him, it is because of Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. He is, that is, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption, our ability to live and thrive, to become who God intended for us to be in this world. We find our way through Jesus. He is the one who explains what God means, what wisdom is. Paul refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God. It is embodied within him. It is revealed within the character and the purposes of God through Jesus. Listen to how John talks about Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who's he talking about here? This is Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Who does that sound like? That sounds exactly like Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8, the wisdom says, I was here before it all began. Jesus was there before it all began. Listen, the son, Paul says to the church in Colossia, Paul says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Wisdom said she was firstborn. He is before all things. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Jesus is the wisdom of God the purveyor of wisdom, the explainer of wisdom, the, the embodiment of wisdom. I thought it was brilliant how uh, Eric took us back to the garden and the tree and the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and Adam and Eve were faced with this decision to obey the wisdom of God or to go their own way, to choose their own way. And what Eric said last night, the last week struck me that we still, in a way, stand before the tree and are given the option and the choice to follow the wisdom of God or follow my way. For us, the command uh, isn't the same as it was for Adam and Eve. We don't hear choose, don't eat from that tree uh, in a sense. What we hear is God saying this. In Mark chapter one, a voice came from heaven and he says this about Jesus. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And then in Mark chapter nine, he speaks to his son again. This is before the transfiguration. He says, this is my son, right? And first he's talking to Jesus, reminding him of who he is. And now he's talking to the people who know Jesus. And he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The God of all creation, the God of universe wants you and I to thrive, to live, to become all that he intends for us to live. And he says, listen to my son. He is the embodiment of wisdom. He can explain everything. He will give it to you. I asked Adam, I said, I'm trying to kind of conclude this section. And I wrote a little sentence and I said, this is no good. How would you say it? 
and said, wisdom was woven into the very fabric of the universe by the all-wise creator, always available and observable to thoughtful humans made in his image. Wisdom has been delineated by scripture with God as its source and fully put on display in Christ who points to the source of wisdom, calls us to follow him, receiving the flourishing and abundant life. And I thought, well, that's the best you can come up with. I'll just use it. (laughs) Jesus is the one to trust for wisdom and for life. Are you there? Where do you find your wisdom? To whom do you go to have it? explained and demonstrated. I think most of you have concluded that the scriptures and the sun are the place to go. But even if you've settled that in your mind, there is still the question of whether or not you're wise. You can know where the source of wisdom is, but you might not yet be wise. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Eric shared this as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. By and large, God separates people into two piles, if you will. There are others, but by and large, the wise and the fool. And it's not hard to tell them apart. And you can see this in your daily life and you can see it in the mirror. The wise person hears instruction, hears the truth, knows it's true, and does something with it, applies it. The fool sees the same wisdom, hears the same wisdom, but does not do anything with it. The fool tends to wait for consequences before they change. The wise person hears it, does it. In the scripture, the foolish are described as those who reject wisdom and instruction, while the wise fear the Lord and seek him. The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Proverbs 10, Proverbs 12. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 18, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. And then Jesus teaches the age-old parable of building your house on a firm foundation or one of sand. Therefore, anyone who hears the words of mine, Jesus speaking, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The one who doesn't, I'm paraphrasing, is a fool and comes to destruction. Jesus is answering the question that I opened this morning with, where do you get your wisdom? Where do you get your knowledge? And on what basis, on what foundation does it rest? All through scripture, and then particularly in the New Testament, Jesus says, if you hear me and you act on them, you're building a solid foundation and you're wise. The fool hears, doesn't do. Be wise. Be wise, church. Put Jesus in the primary place in your life. And he whispers truth 
to you. Don't just hear it. Do it. This is why I said there was a lot of wisdom in the room earlier. All, all that Tammy did, in essence, was invite you to obey the wisdom of Scripture. The wisdom of Scripture that says, cast your cares upon me. Be honest about the condition of your life and give it to me. That is wisdom. Being wise is doing it. If you did it in some form, you are wise. You did not play the part of the fool. It is that simple to be wise. It is to defer to Jesus and the insight, godliness of Scripture, and do something about it. It's not rocket science. It's not hard, usually, to obey. It can be humbling. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. This is the first verses I ever memorized in my life. This is probably third grade. Lynn Kokenauer my Sunday school teacher. She was 20 years old. Beautiful. That's why I went to Sunday school. She was amazing. <laughs> Play the guitar. We just listen. And learn verses. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Sounds very simple. It's almost a ludicrous thing to suggest for a human to do, though. It is actually very hard to not lean on your own understanding. It almost sounds irresponsible. Right. If you think you understand something, and God says, or anybody says, well, you should go this way, this should be your understanding. Who does that? Okay, here's the good news it's not a blind following. We have to just have the humility to say that what I understand might not be right. I might not fully understand life and godliness and humanity. Let me turn to the wisdom of God humbly to see, to check, to learn, to shift. And it's not going to be the kind of thing where this makes no sense and so I'll do it. No, what God does is shows you truth. And it will resonate by the spirit within you. And you go, oh, yeah, I was wrong. This is right. It's not, you understand what I'm saying? It's not, this seems like the right thing to do. This doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I'm going to do this. It is, this seems, seems like the right thing to do, but I might not be right. God, oh, whew, yeah, that, yeah, I should have seen that. That's what's right. I'll do something about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. <laughs> One minute, 23 seconds left. Cover Proverbs 14.4. So we'll do that next week. Here's the teaser. This is one of my favorite Proverbs. Where there are no oxen, 
The manger is empty. You get it. Actually, empty in this case means pure, clean. Where there are no oxen, the barns are clean. The reason it's one of my favorite verses and it's one of the ones I've memorized is because I've been in church work for 30 plus years. And I've always had a facility manager on our staff. And they need to understand this. (laughs) And I've talked to every one of them and said, listen, I understand everyone in this church is working against you. You're trying to keep this place clean, keep this place tidy, keep this place orderly. Most everyone coming in here is against you. But where there are no oxen, the barns are clean. But there's an upshot. From the strength of the ox come abundant harvest. Much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Yes, if there are no people, life is very clean. It would seem, would it not, it's not true, but it would seem if nobody was around, your life would be better. (laughs) Not true, but that's what we think. And wisdom says, yes, of course, where there are no oxen, the mangers are clean. But also, everything that I have in store for you, the increase, the goodness, the beauty, the wonderfulness of your life also comes about from the work that we do, how we do it, and how we posture ourselves. The ox is just basically resources of the day. We've been given an opportunity by God to live and work and and leverage what he's given to us in order to be part of his ongoing sanctification and redemption of the world. And when we talk about that a little bit next week, how life is messy and work is hard, but it's one of the most wonderful blessings that we have in this lifetime. So we'll come back to that. For today... Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for your son. For so many ways, for our divine approval, for our forgiveness, for our eternal security, but for his part in teaching and instructing and guiding and leading us to wisdom and empowering us to live according to it. God, help us to see through all the false narratives. Help us to identify the false teachers and turn back to you every hour of every day to trust in you and your son, to get our wisdom from him. And help us, God, empower us to put it into play. We love you. We want to serve you. And we pray and thank you in the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. 
Amen.